one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Outspoken with White and Jordan. Hard-edged, hard-nosed, hard to beat. Where are you coming from in this one? Your 100% essential download. Jim White and Simon Jordan. You let this get out of control. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Thanks for listening to Outspoken with White and Jordan. I'm Jim White, and today myself, Simon, and Martin Keown try to clear up any confusion as to whether Martin views Jude Bellingham as world-class. Meanwhile, will there finally be a law change to outlaw tailgating at football? There will be if Kevin Brennan, MP, has his way. Plus, there's time to preview the big one at Wembley on Sunday as Chelsea meet Liverpool in a final once again. This is Outspoken with White and Jordan. First off, Martin Keown, well done for getting in because you picked up a little something over in Portugal while you were there on duty uh, covering mm. Arsenal. But in spite of that, this little virus has not kept you away from us. No. So congratulations. It's great to see you guys on my show on a Friday because, uh, you know, haven't been on the show, have you, for the last couple of weeks. It's nice to see you make the effort. I was working, <laughs> working for TNT and I am tomorrow, so I thought I can't, it won't do if I don't turn up. For talk sport, you know how much I, I love the show. But it was a battle to get here. Uh, it, this virus had me in an arm, an arm lock, but well, I managed to wrestle out of it. Well, so, uh, Martin, well done, mate. We, we, we anybody else out there that's at work today, you know, give yes. them a round of applause. You know, that loyalty to the job, promise to do those tiles in that bathroom or that plumbing job. Well done for anyone who's managed to go in today. Yeah. Challenge yourself. That's Fantastic, what I'm Martin. Your once a week gig. A real challenge for yeah. you to get in. Well done. What Thank a you, fantastic Paul. start to the show. And it was a rallying cry to everybody who's not feeling 100% out there. Well done. Battle your way through it. And well done for showing up at work. Yeah, now I feel like a drama queen for mentioning <laughs> it. But, so, but so you no, nonetheless, nonetheless, it's being honest. So, Martin, well done. Well, we are, Simon and I, honoured to be part of your show today. Yeah, and obviously we've been away for the last few Fridays and people keep stopping me in the street and say, well, you get in on Friday, my ears are bleeding. Listen ah, to Keo. Yes. So uh, here we oh, are. Uh, absolutely. Let me tell you, Simon, I was walking around this morning, various conversations with various people, it never stops, and it never stops in a good way. I'm absolutely delighted uh, to hear what you think of our show. Uh, many of you watch it. Jacob, uh, this morning, you and I had a good chat this morning as we walked around. Um, thank you so much for all the 
the, the comments that you have been making uh, regarding the show. And I, I passed them on to Simon, as I did so just before we came on air. We thoroughly appreciate it. We're streaming live on YouTube and Facebook. You can watch the show as well as listen to it. Simon, sir, Jim hasn't got uh, very far with his talk about government funding for any new stadium for Manchester United, has he? Yeah, I didn't think he really would. But I mean, if you fly a kite... Every now and again, you might get one to go the way the direction you want it to. It's, his, his, it's part of his opportunity in life to advance Man United. He's now Manchester United's major, a minority majority shareholder. Um, and so with that in mind, if he can get something, he'll ask for it. I, mean, I, I didn't think it would fly anywhere. Yeah, yeah. You flew somewhere this week. Uh, Martin, you flew over to Porto mm. To, mm. to see your beloved Arsenal, yep. who lost right at the death. I saw a picture of you and Laura. Oh, um, We're going to talk about Arsenal, are we? So recently, we've not wanted to. There's been a reluctance whatilst Arsenal was scoring 21 goals with nine different. With nine different. Let me just a make minute. your mind up. We've even yeah. been here to talk about. Well, them. the thing is, here. but in your absence, nobody's really wanted to talk about how well Arsenal have done. 21 goals in five games. All right. Okay. So what are we going to panic now because we didn't get the result we wanted? There was only one team of Conceição said that was tr- trying to play football. They wanted to win. So it's about balance and about maybe Arsenal a little bit naive on the night. I'm looking actually ahead now to Newcastle and wondering, this time last year, do you remember all the fouls they had and the ball was only in play for 51 minutes? Yeah. Will it be something similar tomorrow at the Emirates? He's worrying me at the moment. I I don't mind telling you, Simon. (laughs) Um, uh, So so Porto won at the death the other night. Uh, Was it a case of the better team lost but the smarter team won? I think game management comes comes to mind. Martinelli's trying to go forward, isn't he? Trying to win the game right at the death. Um... And uh, they, they get punished. You know, you could say, was the keeper slightly too far forward in the goal? I thought Declan Rice, who was absolutely magnificent, maybe a bit of fatigue, could have got closer to the ball. But it, it's all about learning, Jim. I'm, I'm a little bit concerned. It's three weeks now before we see the replay. Yeah. Which, you know, we're very used to, aren't we, to holding that hurt and using it the week, a week later or two weeks later. But three weeks, there's a bit of football in between. Uh, but I'm pretty certain that it's only half time in the, in, in the competition. Uh, Arsenal will come out firing. It'll be a, an electric night when they come into town, Porto. Okay, actually, while you've been chatting um, through the virus, which you're fighting against extremely, extremely valiantly, Martin, um, the messages are coming in. I'll select one. They're all on a similar theme. And Martin, you can guess this is coming your way. Jim, you've got to ask Martin, how can he say Bellingham isn't world-class and Saka is? Now, um, I didn't see this live, but I've seen... Uh, I didn't say few, Saka was either, by I've, the way. Well, I've seen a few clips of it afterwards. This was you in conversation the other night with uh, Rio Ferdinand over in Portugal. Edison, Alisson, Carl Walker, Virgil van Dijk, Rodri, um, Kevin De Bruyne, and the list goes, you can see it there for yourself. Do you disagree uh, with any of them? Well, I think Bellingham is one that um, I would question. I mean, of course, he's in amazing form, what he's doing to Real Madrid right now, but... We look at Saka, Saka's been the uh, England player of the year the last two years and Bellingham's not got a look in on that and he's still on Rio's list. So, I don't know, maybe Rio's been a bit mischievous No, no, you know the Arsenal what? fans. They've actually got that list a little bit wrong because Bellingham was on the list just below that on oh, his I own. Just, he's I edging into there. But I think the, the, the thing that maybe lets him not be on that list for me right now is just time. Of course. I, I think he will be there. He's amazing not, football. I think he's in world, world-class form. But I think you just need that time. And that's where I say Saka. Saka's got that world-class potential, but he just hasn't been exposed to the knockout stages. The, the, the longevity the is longevity. what we're looking for, yeah. Now, that, Martin, was picked up everywhere. So, mm-hmm. as the dust settles, I, I suppose there's only one question in town. Is Bellingham currently world-class? OK, you were saying that I said that Saka was world-class, so I'm not sure how you picked that up, but now you've pulled back from that, have you? 
Have you pulled back from that? So I, I, you're saying that I said Saka was world class. I didn't say that. You're quite hearing that, listening to that recording, that I didn't actually say that. What I'm saying is that... You're debating I, whether or not Bellingham I, I and or feel, Saka are world class. I honestly feel, I think it's a little different for footballers. I think you can be an athlete. I think you can be a 100-metre champion. You can go and blast and get a world record and suddenly you become world class in one moment. But I think for footballers, you can have world class moments, but longevity is the key. We're seeing you week in, week out in, in your era. If you are the best, then you have to be in that echelon of world class. So I think it's some time to go for these two young men. And I think, why would we try to judge right now? Some people do, they get excited with it. Uh, I think they're fantastic talents. I think Foden is another one who's starting to come into our thinking. Um, we talked last week about that amazing picture book that De Bruyne has of seeing the picture and Foden, he's sharing it with Foden. Foden can see everything now that, that De Bruyne can. So we've got wonderful footballers, but I think it's so early in their careers, I think it's too early to judge. I think I would go with Martin on that. Would you oh, yeah, I think that's a fair assessment. I, I mean, think. it's way too early. It's not, it's not free you like anyway. Is, no, because is I, anybody world-class? Because I think it's overused. I think Martin's absolutely right. When people are in good form, all of a sudden, for some reason or another, the superlatives get thrown around that they're world-class. And it's a... It, you know, I, like Marcus Rashford gets called that. He's not world-class. I don't think Saka's world-class at this moment in time. I think their performances are at a very high level. And if they continue at that level... And they can get into any side because, like Sunes says, the definition of a world-class player is somebody that can get into any side. And I question whether these two players, not so much Bellingham, I think Bellingham is a unique phenomenon. I think there are other players in Saka's position that are doing as many things as Saka is doing. Mm. Um, but Bellingham, despite the fact that he's been abroad and been in Dortmund and we see it sparingly, when he plays for England, and obviously we're seeing it more visibly when he's playing for Real Madrid now, and he steps into an environment like Real Madrid where lots of players shrink. People that go to Man United shrink. They don't come up to the standard of the club's expectations. Clubs like Real Madrid carry that perspective and Bellingham steps out from underneath it. So he has the potential of being one of the greatest English midfield players that we've produced. He has that potential. Mm. It's early has, days, but has, it's, it's, he's quite unique, isn't he, when yeah. you watch him. Yeah. He's a driving force. Do you know, and it's, it's, to go to Dortmund, you know, change of culture... You know, to go with, uh, to, I mean, just living abroad, can you imagine? I think he took his parents with him, actually. There's talk of that. Yeah, yeah. They uh, did. And that he did. support network's invaluable. Yeah. He's gone to Real Madrid and he's just taken it by the scruff of the neck and he's dragging that team with him now. Yeah. Incredible. It's a good discussion point and that's been picked up uh, by Mitch, who's a Tottenham fan. Yeah, I mean, this discussion point you're having, uh, Martin has managed to bring something tangible back from his visit to Portugal, which is more than can be said for, for Arsenal, says Mitch, <laughs> the Tottenham fan. <laughs> Do you still take... Uh, Arsenal to, to progress? Of course. Of course. Um, Canseco was, you know, quite tough after the game, talking about, you know, one team wanted to win, one wanted to play football. I don't think Arsenal really did play football. I think that was the issue. I think you go to a, an away stadium like that and when you got possession as much as Arsenal did, you think, oh, it's almost a relief, but you've got to, it's what you do with it. And Arsenal need to get the ball wider to Martinelli and to Saka much more often. Erdogan only really comes alive when those two players receive the ball, Jim. Yeah, and it was it was a kind of like we. I don't think it was working quite right with Ben Ben White going into midfield. This is a tactical thing now we're talking about. That was at the foot of how they their structure and how they develop things. So I think there'll be an adjustment against Newcastle at the weekend. Is um is Bellingham? One or two people are suggesting you're Bellingham's favourite for the Ballon d'Or. Do you think he is? The, the Ballon d'Or. Well, be interesting. I mean, it, I mean that would be incredible, wouldn't it? Well, then that starts to put him into that area, doesn't it? Puts it puts him into that yeah. category. But then Michael Owen won it once. So you say Michael Owen's world class. 
but for a moment in time, maybe he was world class. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a phrase. I, I, I must be honest with you. I think it's a phrase that unless you've played the game, you don't really know. And you've played the game at the highest level. And you know what it takes for a player to be at a level that is recognised as the elite. It's interesting how players forget, you forget. Rude Gullit was a player that I played against with against for England. What an incredible talent. And it's like, if someone's not championing for that person, yeah. we forget them. There's a whole host of, you know, Van Basten was an incredible talent. Mm. We These players drift, drift off. I mean, obviously, Maradona and Cruyff and Pele, you know, that Messi and Ronaldo, those two now, it's like a changing of the guard, isn't it? So we're looking now for who is the Who's best going player through. in the world. Who's going through? Who's won a Ballon d'Or, though, didn't he? Yeah, but that was back in the days when the Ballon d'Or, when it was uh, more more in kin with the European Football of the Year, wasn't it? It was a European. Who did you say, Simon? Yeah, it. yeah, yeah. That's right, but we don't really talk about him too much right now. Your one hundred percent essential download, outspoken with White and Jordan. Simon, yesterday, um, I think it's fair to say you weren't really having it when you heard that Everton's James Garner said he was he was kind of struggling with um, the time that is passing regards uh, Everton's appeal on yeah. the 10 point deduction yeah um, and I, I think he was he was trying to suggest yeah it's on our minds it's on our minds I mean the next game is on our mind of course but uh, this lack of uh, an announcement as to uh, whether or not Everton have been successful with their appeal is on the minds of the players I wonder where you stand on that Martin when you hear that Sean Dyche is saying this delay is impacting the players mindset for sure Sean Dyche is saying the focus from the players has been good but the bit I'm talking about is the subliminal bit when you're driving in your car and you're wondering, I can't control that. I can control the training programme, the health, the well-being around what we do, but I can't control every inner thought. And he's basically saying, yeah, we are thinking about this and we would like to know and we haven't got to know yet if uh, Everton are going to be successful or not if 10 will become 7 if if uh, 10 will become 5 whatever it will become do you relate to that Martin do players think along these lines well it's hard to put yourself in that position isn't it um i think they were in really good form and and if they've allowed that to creep into their minds it's um, it's unfortunate jim it certainly won't be helping in the back of your mind, the unfairness of it, you would have thought would have actually galvanised them in some way to actually go after winning those points that they've dropped. You've just been going through the number of points that they've been unable to achieve in that period. Um, I'm hoping they will be able to get some of those points back again, Jim. But there is talk of uh, a future penalties in, in, the, in the future. We're going to get even more points there taken away from Everton. So it, it will only fuel the, uh, the opposition, the other teams that are in and around them, that they maybe could get out of trouble if it were that Forrest and Everton were to lose further points this season. So, no, it's not, it's not ideal, Jim. But I, I mean, I'm a little bit surprised that Sean Dyche is using this. But he will, won't he? Do you think he's using it? I don't think he's using it. Well, I think he is. Because I think the evidence is there that, uh, albeit that you know that they're not doing what they should be doing on the field of play, and that's getting points, well, getting I've, wins. There's now no win in eight. There wasn't an, an an original bounce. There was an early bounce straight after the the announcement of the ten point deduction. But they're trying but to accelerate. He's trying to accelerate, isn't he? The speed at which I mean, that's ridiculous the amount of time it's taking to actually come back on this. We did hear we, we're going to find something out this week, didn't we? They told us this week there would be some sort of conclusion as to whether or not they'd be, uh, they would regain some points or not. And we haven't heard anything. Well, we, we haven't. And uh, I was chirping on about this yesterday, Simon, but you were shutting me down just saying, you know, let let the thing run its course. 
Mm. You'll know when you know. But it's having an effect. Well, is it having an effect on them? I was about to say there, it's having an effect. There was an original bounce, as I say, when the news came through, there's a 10-point deduction. Yeah. Thereafter, Everton have toiled. They've won four points from 24 points available. Mm. I'm not putting it all down to this and why they're not hearing about whether or not their appeal has been successful, but they don't need to be put through the ringer as long as this, Simon. I really don't think they well, should. Look, the appeal was only heard in January. So it doesn't become instantaneous. So you can you only control the controllables. If these players are in a state of anxiety about an appeal that's only going to make their position better, not worse, better, right, then they're going to be in a real meltdown when they realise that there's more penalties coming down the line. They'll spend their lives in a permanent state of anxiety. It's nonsense. I don't suspect Sean Dyche is advancing it. I suspect he's being asked about it. Mm. So when he's being asked about it, he can either not approach the subject matter or he can tell you the workings of his mind. Is it ideal? No. Do you know what your fate is? Yes, you do. You know your fate is 10 points. So all you're waiting for is something better. Yeah. In the meantime, in the meantime... You're right. You'll get on with your job. You control the controllables. I've always found it slightly um, irritating when players are going to get a move to a bigger football club. And because that move is taking a little bit of time to happen, all this uncertainty, they use that, or managers or anybody, owners as well included, as an excuse for not managing the immediate... But it, it might help their opponents, though. It might help their opponents to think, you know, even if you're Sheffield United well, and no Burnley, do you, that, do you think, OK... You know, if they're going to well, lose even more points, well, both those teams, Forest well, and Everton, well, first and foremost, does that bring us back in into the pro? In this situation, they're not going to lose any more points. They're only going to get better circumstances. So the circumstance that we're dealing with at this moment in time is not what's happening in the future for future transgressions. We're dealing with the advancement of an opportunity to improve their position. Yeah. So why you'd be sitting there with trepidation um, escapes me because your situation is only going to get likely I better. I don't see the results. When I look through, there's been some decent draws here. Well, there's been too point. many draws. The, the they're not capitulated the, at the all. The narrative that you're advancing about Everton is probably slightly flawed because when you played some of the top sides during that period of time, like, did you expect Everton to beat Manchester City? Probably not. Did you expect Everton to beat Tottenham Hotspur away? Probably not. Did you expect Everton to get a result against Aston Villa? Probably not, but they got a draw. The yeah, but I'll put something to you. Say for argument's sake... They knew the result of their appeal on Monday. What difference, okay? did, what difference did it make? I'm about to tell you. So they suddenly find out it's no longer 10 points, it's 5 points. Oh, so they Shot in the arm, they're going against Crystal Palace at Goodison. Might they have won that? They might. I know it's ifs and oh, buts, okay. but they so, might. So, so the psychological approach... And they drew it. The psychological, because well, they weren't very good, and, and, and ultimately that was the reasons why they drew that game. And so they go into the next set of games with a five-point shot in the arm. So what you're suggesting, they ease off their mentality. They're complacent. They're a bit more relaxed and become complacent. It's a silly no, argument. All I'm saying is, I don't think it's silly. They should know by now. Well, no, but again... End off. Yeah, but as I said yesterday, we're not reinventing the wheel. But, but, well, you, do, but you have no idea. This is a silly conversation because you have no idea of the process. You have no understanding of what's going in behind the scenes. And what we're doing Simon, is... Simon, we're not exploring the theorem of Pythagoras. Have, have, all uh, they've got to do is sit down you, and say, those are why we should... Reduce it from 10. Those reasons are why but, it should but you, stay again, at 10. Again, unless you've been part of the process, unless you understand what they're being asked to consider and the manner in which they're considering and who's considering and what the process is, it's a silly observation because we don't know the process. Yes, we'd like to see is it. Is it that intricate? Well, I don't know because I'm is not... It that, is it that I've complex? Been, I've, I've been involved in FA tribunals and I've seen them and I've been involved in Premier League situations and I see them and the, the manner in which the intricacies are considered. Now, the fact of the matter is, is that we've got processes that are far quicker, far more streamlined than they've ever been before. Because we want to advance the narrative that everything should be done instantaneously. If the appeal was heard in no, general... quicker, not instantaneously. Well, again, by what standard? By but, what standard? But, but isn't it better, though, from the right mental state to expect the worst-case scenario? 
that we're not going to get a better position than 10 points. Precisely So, my so point. we have to go... It, if the players are saying it and the managers are saying it, then I think this is a bit of an orchestrated attempt to blame uh, the point situation, OK? And with the form Everton were in, Jim, they should be OK. We're all saying they should be OK. I didn't see a performance the other day in their last game where it looked like they were going to go down. Do you know? I think they're just quality, trying to put... They're trying wise, to, I get, no, I get that, but I think Sean Dyche is saying we're fed up being asked. He, he says they take those 10 points off immediately, so you keep looking at the table and you keep getting asked about being in the bottom three, four or five. Right. And he says it's not left at that, so it's bound to affect your psychology. So, the, so then, so what we're saying now is just asking them then. Right, so the next question is, is when this situation resolves itself and they do and don't get points reduced mm. or it stays as it is, right? Yeah. Then the next question is going to be, the poor sod's going to finish that particular subject matter. And the next question is going to be, what are you going to do? Are you looking forward to the next sanction? So he's got nowhere to go with this conversation because the media aren't going to allow him to go anywhere because it's a fixation now on Everton circumstances. The circumstance is really, really simple for Everton. If I'm the Everton owner or the Everton manager or an Everton player, my fate has been sealed. I've got a 10-point penalty. Anything I get back after that is a bonus. It's dangerous, isn't it? I think it's a distraction to start talking about the points, Jim. I'd rather we start talking about our opponents and what's my immediate job, my role and responsibility in the next game. Martin, um, uh, there's a reason for me asking, when did you decide, that's it, I'm going to retire from football? <laughs> it's interesting, actually. I think Steve Koppel was probably the first manager, and you sit in front of quite a few that tell you uh, your time's up. Um, I was waiting for that tap on the shoulder. If you hang around long enough, it comes. I did have another chance to play for another year. I was nearly 39 and opted out of that. Oxford United um, gave me an opportunity and they were relegated that season. I perhaps could see that and thought I don't want to be a part of um, my local club going down because I'll have it with me forever and I wouldn't really have been in the best shape to keep them out of going down. So I didn't. I stepped out really. I make You make the call, call ultimately, but you start going down the ladder um, and it's it's a little bit more difficult when you're yeah. not playing with it. Yeah. You know, when you I suppose you you know, you Joe is now doing that, he's opting out. Thirty six for me looks quite early. Um I'm not sure why that is, whether I mean I was motivated, seriously motivated, my body just didn't come with me. And that's the thing. When the two are in tandem, when you're you know, around about thirty one, thirty two, when the two are together, it's mm. like a beano out there on the pitch. You read everything so so easily. Well, I think you have the pace <laughs> to deal with it, but when your body starts to let you down, I don't know if that's the case with Joe. Uh, he's been up in Scotland now, hasn't he? Won two uh, Premier Leagues up there. Yeah. Uh, maybe he wants to bow out while he's at the top. Well, I mean, he's had some career, uh, has he not? We'll, we'll look more closely at it in a second, but 75 caps for England, two Premier League titles with Manchester City, um, four Premier League Golden Glove awards, five trophies so far at Celtic. Um, and he's been saying why he's announced now that it's going to be time up for him at the end of the season. Physically, I feel great. I feel as good as I possibly can do, I think, for my age and what I've, what I've done physically to my body. You know, I've been on the bench since I was 15, almost involved in professional football, especially from 16 every day onwards. You know, I've had peaks in terms of fitness. I've had, you know, different energy, world changing around me 20 to 30, but, um, you know, physically a real peak time of my life. And then from 30 onwards, football's not been necessarily as clean for me from maybe 31 to 34. I've gone down every avenue I can to keep myself in the best possible shape and the best possible position to, to give my all come game day. And right now I'm, I'm at that, but I'm aware that time waits for no man and um, I don't want my body to be retiring me. So that was one of the key factors. That was one of the key factors, he says. I didn't want my body to retire me. Of course, we know what he's been through, Simon. Um, 
And he, he's, What's he's, that then? he's had a career whereby mm. he's, he's had a few knocks along the way. Uh, at Manchester City, of course, we know what happened there. He, he, he had been first choice at the Etihad. Pep arrives in 2016. He was moved to third choice uh, behind Claudio Bravo and Willy Caballero. Two years in a five-year deal playing for England at the time, he secured a move away from the club, went to Torino, then at a stint after that at West Ham on loan. Burnley signed him on a permanent deal before Tottenham took him the following season. Persisted, 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 and then ended up at Celtic. So, I mean, to be quite honest, he deserves, I think, a bit of a pat in the back for persisting when he had knock after knock after knock, hurdle to overcome, hurdle to overcome. Um, I'm not a huge admirer of him as goalkeeper. I think he's all right. Um, I think there were times in England tournaments where he wasn't great, and some of the goals that we conceded in key games were particularly down to him. I think if you if you look at the Man City move and then you look at his career after that, maybe Pep Guardiola saw precisely where he was going. We talk about persistence. There was a tacit acceptance of going into Tottenham Hotspur behind Hugo Lloris that you're going to be a number two goalkeeper. Where did that come from? Is that persistence or is that acceptance? And you look at the move to Celtic, you know, his direction of travel post-Manchester City has been sort of either at very best in a straight line, more often than not downwards from the higher echelons of elite football. Um, he's had a good career. He's played for his country 75 times. Um, I think post-Man City move, I don't think he's been wonderful. I think he's done a decent job for Celtic, but Celtic have been a decent side in a rather average league. They've dominated that league since he's been there. Uh, with this season being a slightly more challenging one, I would suspect that maybe there aren't a huge litany of offers. Maybe Celtic aren't renewing his contract and maybe all those considerations come into the fore. 36 years of age for a goalkeeper isn't huge. He's played for 20-odd years, an average of 26 games a season. Um, and if you look at some of the performances, I think he had a very difficult time in Torino. I don't think he had a great time when he was at West Ham. Mm. Uh, and I think he was quite fortuitous. Besides the image of Joe Hart and head and shoulders and 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 the fact that he was an England goalkeeper, I think he's been... I think he's fortunate to have gotten the career that I he's got. I think that's a, a tad unkind. I'm just going to say... I think the beginning of his career, I think he was at a certain level. And I think he maybe have been one of those that the early part of his career was at the, a really high level. And maybe that fell a little bit. I think Pep absolutely killed him when he took him out when he did. I think that would have, he'd have suffered a massive loss of confidence at that period. And I think since then he hasn't necessarily recovered. Um, I don't. I mean, I'm, I think you're a long time retired. You don't think since then he's recovered? I don't think he's been. Well, he hasn't. Has he played in the England team since then? Well, no. And I suppose, and I hate saying it, he ends up at one of the old firm. And obviously, when you've been at a level that he's been at. The question is always asked, well, is that the best you could end up with? Yeah, it's always I, asked that so question. So what are we now talking since Pep's been there? Six, uh, seven years? Eight mm, years? Mm. Um, and, we, and he was the first player that he took out of there. And it would have, that would have hurt deeply. Yeah. So, you know, and, and he's carried on playing, hasn't he? And it would have been looking over his shoulder, perhaps, at what they've, uh, they've achieved. But you're a long time finished when you, Jim. It's, uh, senior players used to say it to me, play as long as you can. And I'm pretty glad I did that. Because it, it's never quite the same. You always feel a bit restless. Yeah. Um, maybe I think he's bowing out. Goalkeepers now are going to 40 plus. We saw Pep, or Pepe as you want to call him, playing the other night for Porto. 41 years of age. Yeah. This week. Well, I mean, at 36, no one has a career forever. And most industries, you get. If he, he's had a 20 year career. He's played 170 games in the last eight years. Um, and economically, there probably is no necessity. And if he thinks it's time, 
for him to have gone out and finished at football, then then he moves on to the next stage of his career. I don't think it's unkind in the characterisation of the question. You're, you're right to suggest that he was a burning, brazing, bright, uh, blazing light that came into people's focus, goes from Shrewsbury, moves into the big leagues, get into the England side and gets all the plaudits to go with it. But the characterisation of the question from Jim was, should he be admired for his persistence and his content, continuation? Well, if you're suggesting to me that he's fallen down from adversity and is unable to climb back to the heights, I don't think that's something you should admire. I think you admire people that overcome yeah, but it adversity. it might be that some players... I mean, look, I was looking at Des Walker, played 50 games for England on the, on, on the, on the spin and then hardly played again. So some players do it at the beginning of their careers and some players do it at the end of their but careers. But the characterisation of the question was, should we admire his fortitude? Should we admire his persistence, given the fact that seven, eight, nine years ago, in life, if the worst adversity that you're going to have mm. is somebody doesn't fancy you and you capitulate underneath that and deteriorate as a result of that, you're going to have some real challenges once you step out of this wonderful little protected environment called football and get into the real world where people don't care who you are yeah, but I'm saying done. that the second yeah. half of his career obviously his standards fell below that level because he wasn't able to prove but he? I also think in, I also think in, in his pomp at international level I think there were games in which Joe Hart was over aroused didn't focus in certain in certain environments and conceded goals at key times in I England games I wouldn't argue with that that ultimately cost England opportunities yeah. so I think yeah. that should be thrown into the mix as well I wonder what do you, do you agree with Ewan Big Celtic we'll hit, to, hit the break in a second but Ewan is a big Celtic fan I know Ewan he's on the show all the time his character and leadership probably outweighs skill as a keeper but he's a great professional and a great man so we wish him all the best and I think you can't doubt his professionalism can you Oh, without doubt, he's carried on seven or eight years, as we've said. Yeah, um, and he—I don't know whether there's any other opportunities, but he's certainly going to go out at the top. If you consider Celtic to be at the top, mm. he's going to go out certainly. Well, if he swans off at the end of this season, the Rangers win the league. He might be going out on the top. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Download, stand well back, listen. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. One thing I didn't know, I'm almost uh, ashamed to admit it, uh, before I came on here today, is that fans uh, found without tickets uh, around stadiums, inside stadiums, if you're caught without a ticket at the moment inside a football stadium around the country, then that those fans are ejected from the stadium without any legal consequence. And those attempting to enter 
are simply moved on. I didn't know that. Um, a new law could make it a criminal offence to attend a football match without a ticket. Now, Cardiff West MP Kevin Brennan is this very day presenting a bill to Parliament following a review that estimated, do you remember, between three and 5,000 people gained entry into that Euros final at Wembley when England lost to Italy. The, the bill proposes amending the Football Offences Act of 1991 to add an offence of unauthorised or attempted unauthorised entry to football matches. So this is happening and it's happening today. Kevin Brennan, MP, joins us live. Kevin, good morning. Morning. Kevin, thanks for joining us. Simon's with me. So too is, uh, is Martin. So you're presenting the bill. Have you done it or are you yet to present it today? As we speak, I'm just standing in the corridors of power just outside the Chamber of the House of Commons waiting for my bill to come up. It's up next, so it should be up within the next half hour, an hour or so uh, for debate. And I'm very hopeful, in the level of cross-party support this has got, that we can get it through its second reading, which is the important stage, which gets it into a committee and gives us a very good chance of getting it into law. So I take it the question that's been on your mind, Kevin, is why is going to football matches without a ticket not a criminal offence? Yeah, I mean, I think everybody was shocked, not just, uh, you know, you guys. And I certainly was when I first realised this. I used to be on the Culture, Media and Sports Select Committee and we looked into safety at sporting grounds after, you know, what happened at the uh, Euros. And um, also Baroness Louise, uh, Baroness Louise uh, Casey did a, a review which the FA asked her to do and, uh, and, and, and we found that this wasn't actually an offence. So if you, if you, you know, they call it jibbing in the, uh, in the slang term, but if you, <laughs> if you get into the ground, you know, without a ticket, as we saw on a mass scale at the, the Euros, actually there isn't a criminal, specific criminal offence for that. Uh, and so what my bill does is it, it would introduce that as an offence. You could be arrested, you could have a fine of up to £1,000, or perhaps most importantly, you could be subject to a football banning order, which is meant to be a, a big deterrent against this practice for people, you know, if they genuinely want to go to football matches, they won't want to get a football banning order for, for trying to enter without a ticket. Simon, it's, it's believed the move would see fans fined up to a thousand quid. They could yeah. face football banning orders if they entered or tried to enter a match without a ticket. But it's amazing. I did not know up until now there wasn't a criminal offence. Um, go on, yeah, Kevin. You go, Kevin. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. I don't know if it's a criminal offence to try and get into the Royal Albert Hall to watch Cirque du Soleil if you don't have a ticket. I don't know if it's a, a criminal offence in any public environment where you have to have a ticket to go on. The issue now becomes, yes, it's a deterrent. Enforcement is always the key component after passing something into legislation. We're seeing enforcement issues in society where we're seeing a lot of protests in London. The the powers are are invested in the police to be able to stop people from doing certain things if they don't do it. We're seeing that in protests in London where people wear masks and the police don't want to enforce for various reasons. But what it does do is it gives a deterrent. If it's based upon the Euros, if this is an agenda based upon the Euros, then I think that's a false premise because I think you have to look at that event in isolation. You have to look at the fact that for whatever reason we decided to allow two-thirds or a third of that stadium to be empty. We decided for whatever reason not to police it properly and all of those things. But I think it's a good thing. How can this be controversial? Yeah. If people want to come, it's a form of breaking and entering. If you want to come into a football stadium without the appropriate uh, permissions, and that by that I mean a ticket, then if you put a sting in the tail, then you maybe you'll deter people from doing mm. it. What, was it uh, was it the Euros and what went on at Wembley that day, Kevin, that prompted you to go about this? I think it's the Euros that sort of brought this to light, if you like, this gap in the law that there is in, in relation to this. And of course, the Euros are coming back 
in 2028. It's correct that the stadium wasn't at full capacity that day because there were there were COVID restrictions still in place. So that probably meant that people thought they had a better chance of getting a seat, you know, if they got in, uh, uh, you know, if they didn't have a ticket and so on. But yeah, that's what brought it to light. And, and there was a review ordered as a result of it. But it is a much wider practice that's going on. And fans tell me, you know, that jibbing or tailgating you're getting is, is happening all the time. And it causes problems, uh, you know, dis- potential disorder, potential danger to fans. It's a safety issue. It's a law and order issue, as you said. And I think it's a legitimate question, you know, should we widen this out? Uh, I think there's a good case for it to other kinds of activities. It just so happens, though, that, you know, with, with the football legislation that's there, um, you know, I can do a private member's bill, which is usually a fairly narrow bill, uh, in order to add it to the existing offences and enable there to be a football banning order as a result. Martin, you've been, yeah. you've been backing this. I didn't know it. Kevin, you, yeah, we were together close to it. On, on Monday. Can you just sort of set out what the, the process will be? Because obviously to, an act of parliament needs to be go through the House of Commons, has to go through the House of Lords. What's the sort of timescale? We've got the uh, Champions League final coming up at Wembley in the summer and then in 2028, of course, we've got the Euros. So what are you, when are you expecting this to be, this proposal to go through? Well, the, the, the uncertainty around it is obviously the potential for a general election. So I'm hoping to get it as far down the road as possible, as quickly as possible, so that if there was a general election coming up quickly, it could be done in something that's called the wash-up, where, uh, you know, at the end, bills that are still hanging around get uh, passed through pretty quickly. So certainly before the end of the session, ideally, obviously, before the start of the next football season, um, it, it has to go through the House of Lords as well. Um, which is just something not in my control. After this, it'll go quickly into a committee, and if we can get it back as quickly as possible in the House of Commons, hopefully you can have it in law with royal assent you know, by next season. There's no date on the bill for the royal assent, so as soon as it goes through all its stages, hopefully we can get it into law. I, th- I think you're spot on, Simon. It's a deterrent, isn't it, to stop mm. people doing this tailgating, uh, uh, yeah, this like, jibbing, well, as stewards you say, are taking Kevin. up so much time on the stewards that at the moment they can come in and say yeah. they need to use the loo, they can have a drink. Yeah. I mean, why this was not law, you think of the amount of time in place. Well, I mean, you, I mean, let's have it right. I mean, stewards are not going to let people inside a football stadium to go in to have a toilet, to go to the toilet, are they? No, so but they can the, argue that. Well, they can't really. I mean, ultimately, but they can currently because it's well, not illegal to do so. Is well, it? Yeah, they can, but the reality of it is no, no steward or police officer, not so much police officer because they're engaged to to do different things. But a steward that worked for me wouldn't be allowing someone to come in the stadium to go to the toilet. They'd allow someone to come in the stadium if they've got a ticket, and then by all means, it's their legal the right to claim they want some refreshment. They need relief. It's not their legal right. It's At the moment, pro- it is. No, it's not. It's private property. Well, that's why we're trying to pass no, 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 this no, law. No, no, no. no. You're, what you're doing is adding a deterrent to bad behaviour. You can refuse permission. You can refuse entry if you want. You can eject. And the, and the stewards can eject. What, you are, what Kevin is doing is adding a consequence to people's behaviour and yeah. subsequently a deterrent. To make yeah. a law. A deterrent becomes an enforceability situation and then it becomes a challenge about who enforces it because it com- becomes incumbent upon perhaps the police in that instance or more likely the stewards to be involved in either refusing admission, but this is not about refusing admission because once they've tailgated in, it's about consequencing them and removing them and then making them aware of the fact that if they do this... That they're going to be, be yeah, prosecuted under that, law. Yeah. And what Kevin is also saying with the framework of the Football Orders Act, or the terminology, they, they, they can, can try and get in, Simon, and they can exit, and they can try and get in. Copious amounts of well, times, they, they can, can try to do, do that. But they can still do that now, Martin. The only thing different now is you get punished under law. What you, if you do it now, what happens is if some diligent steward comes along, he throws you out. In this yeah. instance, not only do they throw but you out... He comes out, back again. If, you know, again, and he throws you out again. And, they, and if someone throws you out in this instance, unless you're going to be arrested at the time, you can come back in again. The issue now is that you've got a sting in the tail. Yeah, you of can course. get prosecuted. That's correct. And that's, and that's the major so, so, Kevin, how much further down the pyramid should we expect this to go? 
it goes through um, it goes down from uh, Premier League Championship, Leagues One and Two, National League, um, international matches, Women's Super League and Championship, and it applies in Wales too in the Premier Cymru uh, competition in Wales. So um, it, it, it goes down to the National League, basically, you know, from the point of view of, of, of what's called elite level football designated under the regulations, but not down beyond that. OK, so you present the bill today and thereafter, what's the time, what's the time schedule? So thereafter, pretty soon after, we'll go into a committee where you go through it line by line, make sure there's no mistakes in it or any, consider any amendments to it. Yeah. Uh, and then it's a case of getting it timed back on the floor of the House. And, and I'm, the government controls that, so I'm a bit reliant on them. But they've been supportive of the bill. The Select Committee's reported with the bill as well, so there shouldn't be you know, a problem in getting it back and getting it through beyond that. And then we have to send it down the other end of this building down at the House of Lords for them to have a good look at it. But I'm pretty hopeful um, that we're going to get this into law and get it into law in the next few months. Your 100% essential download. Outspoken with White and Jordan. for Jurgen Klopp, but Liverpool are determined to finish the season in style. They have a quadruple insight. It's on. It's yes. there to be done. It would be remarkable. It would be something that's never been done in, the, in any era. It feels great. We are really happy. The boys wanted it. The boys got it. We are looking forward to Wembley, definitely. Everyone's giving it that little bit of extra because of the love for Jurgen and is going to believe in and wants to send him off on a high. It's a beautiful Liverpool goal inspired by the return of the Egyptian king. And Cole Palmer picks it up. Palmer! Cole Palmer! expertly finishes with his left foot. We are going to have another battle. I think it's going to be uh, amazing. It's a cup final. Anything can happen. Chelsea have got match winners. they got players that can produce. It's not a done deal. Of course have a chance. A Sunday service like no other at football's great cathedral. Oh, Sam, you're so right. Sam Matafish will be on commentary duty come Sunday for Talk Sport alongside the former England captain Stuart Pearce. It's Chelsea against Liverpool, the Carabao Cup final. I shall be there right in amongst it myself and thoroughly looking forward to it. Um, Simon, when you look at this, with events uh, going on off the field of a financial nature regarding Chelsea, winning the Carabao Cup would bring European football back to Stamford Bridge next season in the form of the Europa Conference League playoff second round. As it stands, Chelsea only required to comply with the Premier League's profit and sustainability rules, yeah. which we know allows losses of up to £105 million over a three-year period. But of course, of course, you look at this, and it's a whole lot different if Chelsea go into Europe, because... The losses are different, are they not? In the, cha- the the Champions League, Europa League and Europa Conference League, they must comply with UEFA's club licensing and financial sustainability regulations. Clubs are allowed to lose 80 million euros, 68 and a half million pounds yep. for the period that's coming up. Um, they would have to be a heck of a lot more prudent, would they not, if they can win this on Sunday? Because... It would change. Um, 68 and a half million quid over the previous two years, not 105 million. Yeah, 37 million pound difference. They, 37 um, million pound difference if they win on Sunday. But let's not be surprised. If Chelsea are going to miss financial fair play, I think they're going to miss it. By, if they are going to miss it, I think they'll miss it by more than 37 million quid given what they've spent. Um, there is a conspiracy theory that it would not be advantageous for them to win this cup competition. I exactly. think that's silly. They will win the, I don't think that will reach the players. The players will play, the team will play, and Pochettino needs to win, a, win, win something to rid himself of the observations that he doesn't win anything in English football 
and to give Chelsea a head start. And at the same time, if Chelsea want to perhaps excuse themselves from playing in Europe and not be part of a tournament, they might have that gift, as, as other teams have done previously. I don't think that plays into the narrative. I think if Chelsea will, will win the football match or lose the football match based upon the events that happen on the pitch, not ones that could be potentially forecast for down the future. Mm. And also, don't forget, you get more revenue by being in these tournaments, you get different opportunities. So one might wash the hands of the other. Yeah, of course, we hear the, the two men at the helm of Chelsea these days, uh, Bully and Igbali, will break with tradition and be there together uh, at the match on Sunday. I look forward to seeing them. Nicholas Jackson has been speaking about this ahead of uh, Wembley. He's been uh, in conversation with Scott Minto Martin. And he said, at night, he goes to bed watching videos of his missus. Not his missus, his other half, his missus. Sometimes I go to sleep thinking, still watching the same videos always, like I should have done better. Well, you know, um, I've, I've seen many, when I was young, I've seen Benzema playing for Madrid. I was supporting Madrid when I was young, and Benzema was missing a lot, a lot of chance. But you know, later he won the Ballon d'Or. I'm not saying, you know, I'm that level. I cannot be that level now, but I mean, I've seen it before, so I'm not worried. So I'm just trying to improve and try to be, you know, improve every day and try to be what I want to be, you know, in football. You have to aim for the stars, so why not aim yeah. to be to yeah. be at that level? Yeah. And, and and with Mauricio Pochettino as well, you know, he he's well known for turning talent into top-class players. Mm. He turns Harry Kane from yeah. talent into a world-class player as well. Mm. How does he deal with you? What does he say to you? Yeah, it's the same thing. I think, I don't know what he was telling Harry, but the same thing he's, he's telling me, he told Harry, the same thing he's telling me, you know, just to continue and you miss, but later it's going to be easy when you when you start to improve and know where, you know, like experience and everything, so... He's helping me a lot and every, helping all the players in the the team and we're going to fight for the team and fight for him as well. Nicholas Jackson, I quite like that though, Martin. Mm. Yeah, sure, I miss a few. Why yeah. not? If you don't try, you don't get, but I'll also score a few. I think it's evident. You can hear there's a personality and a real character there, isn't there? You just often see the player, don't hear the voice. I like him, um, his pace. Yes, he's missed an awful lot of opportunities, but in this game at the weekend, perhaps on the break is going to be key for them with Sterling and Jackson. And he's got wheels, really top-level pace. Um, Conor Gallagher as well, just to turn the tables on, on the tactics. I mean, I think he's been immense, the amount of pressing, working he does in that team. This is very much a different Chelsea team right now to the one that lost 4-1 just a few weeks ago. Um, both teams have got huge amount of injuries. I think they're top of the table, aren't they? Ten, is it? For Liverpool, nine for Oh, Chelsea. yeah, neither at full strength. No. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think it's a game, obviously. I think the clock factor plays plays a real part. The emotion of being at Wembley, uh, all of that drama that's around it. Um, surely it's going to be a, another clock day and they're going to be good enough to, to, to win this game. No Salah, though, but it's a, it's a huge miss for them because he's the one player you can rely on in the big games. But they always seem to draw when they play one another. Uh, just a few years ago, they did that, didn't they, in both cup competitions. Um, let's see, but Chelsea now are a different proposition. I don't see that Liverpool are huge favourites going into this. Mm. It's quite disconcerting. You I know, see what I'm, seeing. Seeing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm looking at Martin Keown in a monitor behind you when you were over in Porto the other night and looking very good. No sign of a virus there. Um, Simon, when you look at it, uh, the, sensible, the sensible prediction is that Liverpool will win it. Um, I would have thought. But as Andy Townsend said in the build-up to this, it's a final, anything can happen. We all know that. Anything can happen. So anyone that writes Chelsea off, does it? 
at their peril well, because I reckon that they could produce something on the day that can win them the trophy. Well, I just hope it's an interesting game and, and not the games that we've seen in previous finals where it's gone to penalties and it's not been the most engaging. Mm. Whilst there's always jeopardy and there'll be packets of pockets of time during the game where it's very intriguing, I'd like to see a really good game of football. I think both... I'm, I'm sort of... Um, entranched in two camps I want to see Chelsea win something because I want to stop shut the narrative down around Bowley and the formulaic responses to what he's doing to Chelsea and how awful it all is uh, but I also is want that owner coming to owner's little, rescue a little bit yeah oh that's nice a, a little bit because I get tired of it un- uninformed media making certain observations over lunch oh do you but yeah. I also want to see Liverpool I want to see Jurgen Klopp do something quite remarkable I'd love to see Liverpool uh, win four trophies this season. The, the, the domestic treble's been done once before by Manchester City, but it's never been done and a European trophy on top of it. Yeah. So, you know, there's a part of me that, whilst I don't always agree with things that Klopp says, I think he's been a phenomenon in the Premier League. I think he's, you know, he's, he's box office. Mm. And I think his team are. And so I'd like to... I'm torn, but as a Londoner, I would like Chelsea to win. As a Londoner, OK. Yeah. And in foreign media, though, they've spent, they've spent a billion. Indeed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's more than just. I the think Pochettino, though, I think he's been quite clever working out the best. But I think Palmer on the right wing is the best position for him. He's an he could be a match winner. Yeah, and, and as I say, Conor Gallagher, the the sort of energy that he has, you have to play him in the middle because he's the player that goes and presses to create that four at the top of the team. And he's the player in the in the, in the, the last weekend against Man City. Honestly, the amount of distance he covered was ridiculous. Um, he is he flogs himself for the well, team and he's got him, he better quality better he, quality he's a much better player now than he was at Palace I think recently in front of goal the two goals he got actually at Palace true. one the week before he just seems to be now showing that little bit more composure in front of goal so no, uh, the, and the two midfield players Fernandes and Casado have finally turned up so an awful lot of what £200 million worth of players they ought to do do you know so no Thiago Silva maybe that's slightly helped them because they can play a higher so up so you go and change no, I, well, I think the emotion of the day and Klopp and all the rest of it, I think that's too much for Chelsea and I think maybe they'll win on penalties, uh, Liverpool. Your 100% essential download. Outspoken with White and Jordan. Thanks for listening to Outspoken with White and Jordan. Please leave us a five-star review on the TalkSport app or wherever you get your podcasts from. We're back Monday to bring you the best of the show.